Before we begin our episode, AIAS Nebraska has a few announcements you should know about. Next week is our membership week and we'll be hosting events to promote the value of AIAS here at the University of Nebraska. On Monday, September 21st, we will kick off our own design competition while highlighting our student design teams as they compete against other students across the region in the AIA Central States Student Competition. On Wednesday, the 23rd, AIS Nebraska will be hosting our kickoff meeting on the front steps of Architecture Hall at 5 p.m., and on Friday, the 25th, we will be having a virtual mixer. For all the details on these events, please make sure to check out our Instagram page at UNL underscore AIAS. Across the country, students have spent the last year amplifying their voices. And with so many pressing challenges still ahead, now is the time to take action. This week, our chapter president, Quinn McFadden, sat down with AIS national president, Aaron Conti, and the AIS national vice president, Sarah Takatatsu, to talk about their opportunity to advocate for the student's voice in the upcoming year. Conversations range from interdisciplinary design work advocacy, the value of AIAS membership, and what it means to take action. After listening to today's episode, we challenge you to push yourself, your chapter, or your firm during this upcoming year to take action within your community and enact positive change. Well, um, getting started, this is uh, Quinn McFadden with the AIAS In-Studio Podcast. Today I'm joined by uh, the Vice President and President of the National Organization of the American Institute of Architecture Students, uh, President Aaron Conti and Vice President Sarah Takatatsu. Um, and with that, we'll just go ahead and get started with some background information. Where are you guys from and uh, did you guys both study architecture and what schools did you attend? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll start if that's okay, Sarah. Um, I am originally from New Hampshire, uh, Londonderry, New Hampshire, if anyone knows where that is, um, but grew up there and I went to Keene State College uh, for a Bachelor of Science in Architecture. Didn't always know I wanted to do architecture, um, but went to a liberal arts school and they had the major and I was, all, I was one of those kids who was like, oh, I like art and I'm good at math. And I, I put the two together, even though we know that's not always entirely the way it adds <laughs> up. Um, but that's what I did. And I took a couple of courses and fell in love with it. Um, I knew I wanted to get my license one day. Um, and in the state of New Hampshire, you don't have to have an accredited degree to get your license, but wanted to have my options open. So as soon as I graduated in 2018, I attended grad school at the Illinois Institute of Technology in Chicago and just got my master's this past May. Sounds like such a fun journey. Mine was a little different. Uh, <laughs> I was born in Washington State, but honestly, I'm a Coloradan through and through. Uh, I've lived all over Colorado and went to CU Boulder for my undergraduate degree where I got a degree in environmental design. So not accredited. Um, and also gave me a background in a little bit of planning, a little bit of landscape architecture, and they had like a design studies in general. So it was a, a very holistic undergraduate degree. Um, and I just graduated from that a little over a year ago. It still feels like I'm 
a student in a sense. Uh, it feels really weird to like not be going back to school, <laughs> but but here we are. Uh, so very happy in DC right now. Um, moved out to DC very recently for this position as vice president. So excited to be here. And, and that's a little bit about my background and how I, how I got here. Yeah, so you guys alluded to it. You're both in D.C. now uh, as part of the national organization. Um, I'll throw it over to Aaron first. Uh, but what what is your role? Uh, we know you're the president, but outside of that, uh, what are the things you do within AIAS? Well, you know, a month into our terms, I think we're still figuring it out a little bit. Um, <laughs> but the role of the president is traditionally we kind of talk about it as the outward facing officer. Um, so a lot of communications with our allied organizations. Um, I currently sit on the AIA Strategic Council and will soon roll on to their board of directors as a student director. Um, but within the AIS handling a lot of our programs um, like Freedom by Design and our committees. Um, kind of doing a little bit of everything I feel. Um, Sarah and I really feel that we are more co-presidents than a president and vice president, um, but just really making sure that the AIS is able to provide for all of its members and that they're getting value um, in their edu education and that we're providing anything that they may not be getting from their schooling. Yeah, and I can absolutely jump in here and uh, talk a little bit about the vice presidential role, which is very different from the presidential role. Typically, as Erin uh, was saying, we we consider the vice presidential role uh, more inward facing. So definitely have uh, a lot of duties that relate to membership. Uh, for example, right now we're in the middle of membership month, uh, which we can talk about later. Of course, always happy to talk about membership month. But um, most of those membership relations um, fall onto my plate, which is amazing. Get to talk to chapters and it's kind of like being a quad director, but like across the board quad director, a quad director if the whole AIS is a quad. Um, uh, as well as the organization's um, treasurer and secretary. So taking minutes during board meetings and council of presidents meetings, as well as working pretty closely with the executive director on the budget every year and the audit when that happens. So keeping an eye out on how we're doing financially and logistically um, and really keeping an eye on kind of the processes that we have in place. Also as the vice president, I get to sit on the ACSA's board of directors as the student director, which is a really fantastic opportunity again, to be a bit more inward facing as far as this idea that as students, uh, this has so much relation to being a member because we're all students in architecture and design. Um, so being part of an educational body um, with, with these educators at the ACSA has also been a really exciting part of the job. And yes, we're a month in, so still learning the ropes. Uh, we've been transitioning, but there's nothing like learning by doing. So it's all it's all new, and I, I think it's going to feel that way for a little bit. Architecture always has a way of being a learning curve with inside of another learning curve, and you can never escape it no matter <laughs> where you are. Yes. Um, so you guys have both been a part of AIS for quite some time now, it sounds like. Um, what's some of your favorite things or some big takeaways that you've gotten over the years uh, being involved? Oh my gosh, there's so many. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been in the 
AIS for what feels like forever now. Um, I joined in 2014 at Keene State College. Um, my first kind of uh, experience with AIS was Forum 2014 in Nashville. That's actually how I got involved. We did have a chapter, but no one really called it the AIS. They called it the Architecture Club. And all they told us was, oh, sign up to be a member of this organization and it'll look great on your resume. And I was one of those kids. So I was like, sign me up, I'll do it now. And then they were like, by the way, uh, we're gonna send four people to Nashville over New Year's who wants to go, me. Uh, <laughs> so that kind of, um, that's what got me in the direction. But when I got to Forum and just got to meet so many amazing leaders um, and just, talk to people who had similar passions to mine. Um, it just so opened my eyes to this crazy world I, I see as um, the AIS. Uh, and so I think a lot of my favorite memories are very similar to that first one, just meeting members and getting to talk to people who share our passions and um, just really seeing where we can take the profession. We are the next generation. We're gonna be uh, the future. So it's just really great to connect with so many different people. Absolutely. I think uh, that is one of my takeaways too from this experience is the, the voice of, of the students. And I think coming into a college program as a student, you have a, a perception of what you're supposed to be you know, um, learning so much, experiencing new things. Um, and sometimes it takes a while for us to realize the value of our own voice as students, that we actually play a huge part in the profession. As, student, as soon as we say, you know, we want to study this, we are interested in this profession, we actually have a, a stake in this, um, in this race and we, we have to represent each other and be listening and to to be part of something bigger. Uh, and so I think that's an experience that kind of draws from the chapter experience of being a leader at your chapter, um, even if that is being a general member and just being engaged, like that type of leadership is just the same type of valuable leadership that you see um, from those people who run for quad director and, and take the step of saying, you know what, I want to listen to people. I want to put myself out there. Um, those experiences are all part of, I'm going to say it, taking action <laughs> and being a leader and, and having a student voice um, because we do have a lot to advocate for. We have a lot to say. Um, and the big takeaway for me has just always been, oh my goodness, our voices are so valuable um, and we have so much amazing insight. So that has been the underlying theme of, I think, all my experiences with AIS. Awesome. Yeah. Take action. I think I've heard of that before. I don't remember where, though. <laughs> um, You'll be hearing it a lot this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you touched on that. When we as kind of an organization say we want something, we then enact that change uh, uh, or we take action um, to get it to uh, become an issue. Uh, what are some of the big issues that Nationals is advocating for this year um, or that we're trying to tackle as an organization? Ooh, this, this is a great question. You know, the whole reason we're here. I think um, quickly noting that Aaron and I, you know, worked really closely and had really aligned goals going into the year, you know, when we were first elected 
and then getting hit with uh, the 2020 that we were handed, uh, all of us together, <laughs> um, and all of our collective plans as, you know, the AIS, as students, as, as people in this country, um, getting a little topsy-turvy. So I think, um, I think Aaron could probably outline a lot of our um, goals through kind of talking about committees and the goals that have been outlined for our committees this year, um, but prefacing that with, in, in general, we are trying to weather the storm in a really responsible way um, and advocating for the students' needs as they come up this year, um, as they did come up at the end of last semester and the challenges that we're all facing in this virtual world and the unprecedented nature of how we're going to be learning this, <laughs> learning to be professionals. Uh, so absolutely all of this to be said with, with the virus and pandemics happening right now, um, we have a lot to respond to as well as our own, uh, our own goals, which I'll pass it off to Erin to get to talk about the fun stuff. Yeah, I mean, I know that we we joke about it, but this this phrase of take action, which is our theme for the year, um, I feel like it's kind of the culmination of what our goals really are. And we want to take this year and, you know, really walk the walk. I feel like we've been talking the talk for a long time. Um, last year's theme of Amplify, really raising everyone's voices. But we, our goal as an organization is always to uplift students and to uh, advocate on their behalf. Um, and help them advance their leadership design and service. And so, of course, we're still gonna be doing that. Um, but I think as Sarah was saying with, we, you know, we kind of got hit with 2020 and we maybe thought the ways we would be going about this year would be very different from what they are now. I think a lot of our goals are still the same. We're just going about them um, a little differently. Um, and uh, we're always trying to work towards uh, combating the the issues and you know kind of the we'll call the plural pandemics we have going on right now um all of the uh systemic racism and um all of the just everything going on in our world today we know our students feel it um and we know that the uh education and architecture and the profession is not um it's it's not we're not not involved i'm sorry i can't think of the right word right now um we are not innocent in this and we know that we have a lot of work to do to make sure that the future of the profession is a safe and inclusive place for any and all people who want to be part of it um, and to make sure the work we do uh, in our built environment um, can make sure everyone it can feel safe and included. Um, and so as Sarah said, our committees are gonna be doing a lot of work this year. Um, the way they've been outlined kind of reflects uh, what students have said they want to do and what they want to work on. So we have our social justice task force. I'm really excited. Um, many of our chapters are already advocating for so many different issues and um, things that uh, we we often don't have the capacity at the national office to to take on and put out content for all of these issues and, re and different resources. Um, so really excited to see what they'll bring to the table. Um, sustainability is uh, something that so many of our members are passionate about. So our Sustainability and Resiliency Committee will be doing so much work this year and kind of breaking down the topics, making it easy to understand for those who maybe aren't as familiar um, with some of those. Um, and we also have our Learning and Teaching Culture Advisory Group. Um, it's 
more important than ever, I would say, just because a lot of schools are virtual doesn't mean um, that you shouldn't be thinking about having a safe and healthy learning environment. Um, so really making sure that we, we take the work done this past year by past president Sarah Curry um, and our now South Quad director Scott Cornelius in creating the model learning and teaching culture policy, um, really putting that into place, uh, taking action with it, um, and having this committee to kind of oversee that and help schools and chapters take the next step and make sure um, that they're, they're doing the work. <laughs> I know that, that was a lot of things to answer your question. Um, there's, there's so much we want to do this year. Absolutely. Yeah, just to one last note of it's a lot of different types of goals, but I think, you know, to the point of the, the moment that we're in, they all align in that these are all pressing issues that our members have said are the pressing issues that they're experiencing and the the problems that they want to solve in the profession and in the world. So, so incredibly proud and so incredibly inspired by our members who want to take on these massive challenges um, and really excited to see the action that's coming from this. Um, I think our committees are the cornerstone of getting work done, um, but then already seeing the groundswell of chapters on the ground doing the work um, in, in their schools to make all of this happen is kind of, we're, we're following your lead uh, with um, where we're going. So really excited to, to see where this year goes as well. There's just so much to unpack there. So trying to decide which one to go with first. Um, you guys just briefly touched on there the learning and teaching culture policy. Um, and at least at Nebraska, studio culture has always been something that's huge. It's either never uh, thought of um, or when we bring it up, they point to a poster on the wall and then we pretend like it doesn't exist. Um, it's just a piece of paper. Uh, from what I've heard from what Nationals has been pointing out, this new learning and teaching culture policy is something different. Um, and it's trying to really hold schools more accountable. Are you able to touch a little bit more on that? Absolutely. Um, I'll jump in and then Aaron, correct me where I'm wrong and <laughs> fill in the gaps by all means, please. Um, so yes, I think that is definitely the experience that we really wanted to, to comment on by this, this work that has been done for the past year, the past years. Uh, this conversation has been happening since, you know, it's, it's been so many years of us talking, uh, as you said, about studio culture and really excited about this shift from what we've called studio culture for so long to learning and teaching culture, um, because it's not just in studio that this culture exists, but it's also in the nature of how we learn and how we teach um, that we're as students and as the educators, um, we're all in this together. And it's not just a, a list of demands by students. This is actually um, a positive culture creation as, as a community of educators, students, um, and, and this environment that we're trying to foster together. So really excited about that shift, and I think it is more inclusive to our full experiences. Um, as, as one point um, in this shift that we've worked on so hard. Um, but then, yes, as, as something to look to this model document is going to be a standard by which uh, schools can be 
looking at their own studio cultures um, and their policies that they have right now and saying, you know, where do we align, where do we not, um, as well as for students to have the resource to say, hey, our culture policies right now do not align with this best practices guide um, that has been, you know, worked on by the AIS and a bunch of other allied organizations have put time and effort into this um, to say that these are our best practices and we're not holding ourselves as our school, our chapter to these. Um, and so it, it gives us a, a line in the sand to, to give all of us a tool to have those conversations um, and also is something that is going to be handed off to the NAB soon for them to use as part of their accreditation process um, and reviewing of schools um, and using that as a guide to look to um, kind of see where we're all headed with these studio cultures that we already have. Like, are, are we hitting the mark yet or not? Um, so hopefully it, it's serving more than one purpose um, in these areas and Aaron, any more context and any more <laughs> I mean, I thoughts on this. There's so many, I mean, there's been so much work about how to use this, why it's here um, and, and how we will be continuing the conversation moving, moving forward. We finished the, the model document, but that is the beginning of the work. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit, hit it right on the head. Uh, I don't think I could have said it better myself. Um, <laughs> you totally nailed it. Um, I think one thing that confuses people a bit is, you know, this kind of name change we have going on from studio culture to learning and teaching culture. It's all one and the same um, in terms of, you know, what we're trying to accomplish. Um, but we are trying to transition over to using the phrase learning and teaching culture because it kind of, it holds everyone involved accountable. Um, it's, it's a give and take. Um, as students, we do have expectations of how we will be treated um, by, by our faculty, but at the same time, there are also expectations on us of how we will act in our courses. Um, and like Sarah said, not just in studio, um, in all of our classes, because we know as students of architecture, we're not just in studio, we're doing so much more. Um, and so you should be having these ideals and thinking about this culture in all aspects of your education, not just, it's not just about the late nights in studio, it's about um, making sure you have a healthy and safe learning environment to complete your degree, whatever that is, if it's a, a accredited architecture degree or, or something else aligned. Um, it's just about creating a safe space within education. Ah, you said it so well. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah, the people who worked on that did an amazing job, and that alone seems like that could take a whole transition period just to cover that one topic. So you guys nailed it. Um, so one of the other ways you guys have talked about another committee is that um, the social, just, social justice committee um, and tackling some of the issues we all know about. One of the big things we always hear every year, and we had a wonderful guest on a couple weeks ago um, talk about a similar issue. So we know no one has all the answers, um, but there's only roughly two and a half to 3% of architects in the US that are African-American or black. Um, and it, how do we go about increasing that number and uh, making this a space for all people, um, regardless of um, any kind of characteristics? Yeah, I think this is something we're, we're talking about all the time. Um, and I think there are so many barriers uh, to 
not even just to licensure, but even to education. Um, and architecture is, of course, not alone in that. Um, and so it's about making it more accessible, getting more information out there. Um, there are so many young students uh, in you know, high school, middle school, even elementary school um, of color who are not given these opportunities, not shown that they could have these opportunities um, and that maybe this is a direction they'd wanna go in. So it's, it's about making it possible and not letting these barriers be in the way for anyone to become an architect or a designer of any sort. Um, yeah, definitely piggybacking off of that because that is so right. Um, I think that is such a huge challenge in the first place to identify the barriers that we've set up over hundreds of years and codified through countless processes and traditions that we call architecture. Um, and identifying them and then reassessing how to build them down and build up something better is a really long process and we needed to have done that yesterday. Um, so the fact that we're here now having the conversation, it's long overdue. And I think the allied organizations and the collaterals and um, students and instructors are all putting a little bit more weight into it right now. And I think that's a really good sign. And I'm really excited about the opportunities that we have moving forward. Um, I definitely think the barriers, you know, happen at so many different scales. Um, you know, we talk about it in the sense of a timeline, absolutely. Um, you know, from middle school to high school to your first degree, then maybe your second degree, and then, you know, experience then testing, then experience in the workplace, all those things along a timeline have barriers, but then also scale of self, institutions, environment, you know, where, where you situate yourself as a human in this experience, um, to feel like at every scale of understanding of architecture, you're not welcome, you're not heard, you're not your history isn't celebrated. Um, the type of things that we talk about in our curriculum and we celebrate um, and don't uplift really important pieces of architecture, important designers, um, the way that we talk about our coworkers, the way that we, you know, handle ourselves and talking about microaggressions in the workplace, how we um, do affirmative action or not do affirmative action in our processes of finding students for school. There's so many barriers at different levels that can you imagine, you know, starting out in high school saying, oh, I think I want to become an architect and then quickly being disillusioned by all of this ahead of you. Um, I, I can't imagine what that experience is like. Um, and so we're all taking efforts to educate ourselves and trying to take action at the same time. And I think the first step is, of course, listening and trying to learn and educate and re-educate ourselves about perceived understandings of what is important and what's not in architecture. So the, <laughs> the big question of what do we do, um, I think none of us know, but knowing that it should have already been done is, is a big step. Yeah, I do think... Um... You know, I'm, I'm really glad that all of this is at the forefront now. Like as Sarah said, we should have been talking about this yesterday. Um, and 
it's, it's so important. And I think that we have a responsibility as students now and as emerging professionals, um, we cannot let up on it. And we have to stand up for those who are not able to be in the room to stand up for themselves. Um, and, you know, keep pointing out the injustices in the system and the barriers and say, hey, this is wrong. Um, and I know myself and many others I know don't face those same barriers, but it's still our responsibility to try to help break them down. Um, and so that's, that's a lot of the work we're going to be trying to do. Awesome. And I believe I heard at Grassroots, which is our national leadership um, conference for those of you who may not be as familiar with the organization, um, that NOMAS, uh, the National Organization of Minority Architects, uh, might be joining one of those allied services. Obviously, we've worked with them before because it's a great organization. Uh, but is there kind of a new future that's being paved as well um, with our organization and uh, theirs? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, as, as you said, um, there, there has been a lot of talk of trying to bring NOMA into the, I guess, circle. Um, we're also confused of what that kind of inner circle is. We do have the organizations known as the collaterals, and there is kind of a conversation of, you know, what does this mean? What is it all about? But we know that they need to have a seat at the table. Um, and of course, we as the AIS, we fully support, um, as have the other allied organizations. Um, I'll fully support this happening. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what all the next steps will be, but as for the AIS, um, we will continue to ha uh, offer a seat at the table. Um, we have talked about expanding our board. Um, as, as we mentioned um, at our Council of Presidents meeting, we talked a little bit about it. Um, but so we're, we're in the conversations uh, currently, and so I'm really excited to see uh, what's to come in hopefully the near future. Definitely an exciting time to be in this in this job and uh, a member of the AIS uh, with big changes uh, happening around us, whether we want them or not, you know, thinking about education and how we go about our daily lives. But this one is super exciting. And, um, you know, the, the support for NOMA um, and quick note, NOMA um, includes NOMAS, which is the student mm -hmm. um, section of NOMAS. So they're all one in the same. S means they're student. <laughs> Fun times. Um, oh, similar and dissimilar to the AIA uh, in the AIS, but the AIS is completely separate from AIA. We are our own entity. Um, so fun, fun history there if you ever mm -hmm. want to go down that path. But anyway, um, adding them as a member into this circle, into this collaterals, you know, as we define that and get that figured out. Uh, also thinking more holistically and saying what are ways in which we can all collaborate more and hear more stories and be um, active in this understanding of bringing people in and not just giving people a seat at the table, but also, you know, making sure that seat is comfy and is a place that people um, can be heard and seen and, and making sure our collaboration is not just um, something that we're saying we're doing and not actually doing as we, as we want to, of course, keep on the take action. We, we want to walk the walk and we really want to question um, where we've been and where we're going. So lots of inner work happening right now. Um, and if anyone has thoughts, of course, about the shape of the AIS moving forward, 
everyone is always happy to hear it and um, very encouraged to share uh, what you want the AIS to be. Right on. Yeah, it's just, we're excited here in Nebraska to be able to, uh, we're trying to get the conversation going in a similar way um, with our NOMAS uh, organization as well to really be able to partner with them. Because um, oftentimes it seems like their organization, some of the other kind of smaller organizations within our college, which is also fairly small, usually gets overshadowed by these other organizations. So we're hoping our partnership with them um, and then some of the other uh student organizations that we have as well on our campus uh, that are really all about promoting uh, those different kind of minority architects will really kind of help uh, shed some light on some really important issues um, over the course of the semester and hopefully uh, in the years to come. Absolutely. We're so excited to see um, all the work that you all do and happy to share in your joy and celebration as that all comes to fruition. So keep us posted. <laughs> will do. So talking back on the point of take action. So it's membership month uh, for everyone who hasn't realized that yet. Uh, maybe we're slacking here at Nebraska if we haven't made that clear over the past two weeks, but um, we're in a tricky situation. Some schools are totally uh, remote and some, some schools are in a hybrid similar to Nebraska, but we can't really all be together in the same place doing the same thing. So how can we in this new time uh, embrace the idea of take action when we may not all be together? Ooh, 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 could I take this one? Or start it out? Great, thanks. Uh, take action, what a, what a great slogan. What a great saying. Who came up with that? I wonder how, how that came to be. I, I think one of our favorite aspects of saying take action this year is that it happens at different levels of experience. Uh, taking action at your individual human personal level can be you know, becoming an AIS member for the first time or being a chapter leader for the first time and taking that action to step out of your comfort zone. Uh, taking action as a chapter can mean something. It can mean innovating ways to connect. It can mean you know, bidding for a quad conference. It can mean, you know, coming up with an idea to uh, be more engaged in your quad. It can mean, you know, at a national level, advocating for something at the COP meeting, the Council of Presidents meeting, uh, taking action can mean all these things just within the AIS and at so many different levels. Um, and so I think taking action in this virtual world absolutely includes rethinking how we connect to each other. And so taking action in your own way to make sure that your peers are doing okay, checking in and not waiting around for someone to say, oh, hey, you know, I'm not doing so great or like, this is hard, you know, take action, take the first step to connect to someone that you may have never met in person and saying, how are you doing? How can we support you? How can I support you? Do you need something? Um, I mean, that's a small way to take action in your daily life, which will have a tremendous impact. And that's only one example, you know, taking action is seizing the moment. It's listening to people around you as a chapter. It means responding to need. Even you all starting a podcast is taking action and, you know, creating content and creating awareness around things that 
people are asking for and wanting to hear. So I absolutely think you all are already doing the work from what it seems like. Um, but I think that's kind of where we see take action as not a blanket statement, but something that is relatable to every single one of us as students, as members of the AIS, um, and as you know, people who want to live in a better world than we live in right now. Yeah, so well said. I don't know if I can add anything that's really going to beat that. Um, but yeah, I'm just, you know, membership month is, it's all my vice president right here. Uh, so much applause to her. It's going so well. Um, but just, yeah, taking action in new ways. I think our generation is at an advantage with this age of social media. Um, and I don't think moving virtual was too difficult for any of us. Um, I guess I can, I can say that personally, at least, finishing up my last semester virtually. Um, but I think it's about um, just thinking of new innovative ways to connect with each other, as Sarah was saying. And what I'm really excited about is how much more accessible it is to so many members. Um, I think, you know, we talk about it on the level of our conferences. We're not, students often aren't able to travel to attend them. I think you can think of it in the same way with your own chapter events and meetings. You know, just some people have commute time or um, just different class schedules. And so you can kind of create your events and meetings um, and more people might be able to attend them because they don't have to worry about traveling to or from, or, you know, maybe I'm here or there. Um, and I think there's also a great opportunity to collaborate with other chapters across the quads and um, the across the entire organization doing different events together because um, you don't actually have to be in the same room to be able to hold them. So I think there's a lot of opportunity um, to, take, to take action within the AIS. Oh, so well said, Erin. Uh, that's, that's my president. Uh, I think I, I just wanted to add one more thing because so inspired by uh, our president's words. I think that architecture and design students are probably some of the best situated to take action in our current environment. You know, our members and the students out there are not afraid of challenges. That's what we're trained to do is to assess and design around constraints. And I think that if this is too cheesy, let me know. But uh, you know, the world needs us right now. They need us to step up. I mean, you can see it across the board. We've been having the conversation so long about climate change and, you know, so many of the challenges that we face today, uh, food insecurity, housing crises, all of these things, you know, design solutions are going to have to be part of the equation no matter what. Um, and so that doesn't just begin when you're out of school and in the professional world, uh, as a student, you're an emerging professional. Uh, and so taking, taking the reins and seeing where you can make an impact right now is absolutely on the table. And I think we're all being trained to be good at that, but also just your motivation to take on the challenges of today and tomorrow is already a, a huge qualification that not everyone has. So one of the reasons, of course, that we love the AIS. We have so many passionate and inspiring and uh, incredibly able members to take on these things. So take action. You're ready. You can do it. <laughs> yeah, I just, 
I'm looking at my list of questions here and you guys just about answered all of them right there just on taking action. I mean, so kudos to you guys, but um, be, becoming a member of AIS is so much more than just becoming a, or being a part of one club on the campus, clearly shown as this episode right now, uh, being with the national and uh, president and vice president. Uh, so being a member can be all of these things and, and give you access to all those uh, things and also be connected with uh, other like-minded individuals who are passionate about all these different things. So going into some a little bit more focus towards the students, um, how does the AIS promote the leadership design and service in terms of students? Yeah, I think we do this in so many ways. Um, <laughs> leadership, of course, it's just, you know, we have all different opportunities to lead, you know, within your chapter on a national level, um, on, on committees um, to step up and be a leader. And um, I, think, I think it looks different, you know, depending on where you are at in your, we use the phrase leadership journey all the time, but there's just so much opportunity um, to take a new step. Um, and even if you don't wanna move beyond just your chapter leadership, like that's still such a huge step to take. Um, just to open yourself up for the opportunities. Um, service, that's one of my favorite um, parts of the AIS. We have our service program um, that I know you are very familiar with, Quinn, Freedom by Design. So I might even let you uh, give a little bit of a pitch about it. But um, I've been involved in Freedom by Design for a while, um, co-founded a program at my undergrad chapter and served on the Freedom by Design advisory group before it became a committee um, for several years. And I just love seeing year after year um, all the different things that chapters are doing within their FBD programs. Um, and so I think that's, it kind of encompasses design and service. Um, but I think this year we're, act, we're taking a look at it a little differently because we know that, you know, the design build options aren't, aren't really there with, um, to, to keep safe with social distancing and such. So I think it's gonna be really exciting to see how creative people get and, and what they try to do um, to solve the problems and things within their communities. Um, and another thing in terms of design, I'll just rattle through everything and then Sarah, you can, you can pick up uh, if I leave anything out. Um, we do have a lot of competitions that go on throughout the year, I think is the best way we kind of elevate design and we like to showcase those entries we get. Our in-studio series is kind of the, the way we do that the most. So uh, currently launched is in-studio made, uh, sponsored by the American Galvanizers Association. Um, that one's running through October. Uh, we typically have our in-studio portfolio, uh, we have in-studio photo, in-studio render, sketch, um, and in-studio model was the one that most recently wrapped up, I think. Um, so all sorts of different opportunities to try different design challenges and win some money. Uh, never a bad idea. It's usually pretty easy to <laughs> enter also, but every, you know, everything's on the website, uh, AIS.org, if people want to check it out and see what opportunities are there. Oh yeah, love the plug for the website for sure. <laughs> it is a treasure trove, uh, and the more you look, the more you see. So <laughs> find 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 all of that great content that we've been creating for years and years. It's all there on the website. Uh, sometimes you just have to dig a little bit. Um, I think that was a super comprehensive answer. I think I'll just add this because it will be on the past vice president's uh, plate is the honor awards, uh, which we really love to highlight the leaders and the students um, and chapters who have done all of this and encompassed all of this uh, entirely, you know, so we have 
the uh, chapter awards, we have the leadership awards, um, we have awards for our Freedom by Design projects, um, so many different awards, uh, even honoring some of our AIA components who work really closely with their chapters. Um, and, and that is one way that we love to elevate the hard work that the chapters and members put in to encompass and embody design leadership and service. Yeah, and just briefly taking a step back on leadership, if you would have, uh, I mean, specifically to you, Aaron, you talked about when you joined AIS, someone just said, uh, hey, we'll look on your resume. I'm pretty sure that was what our marketing campaign was a couple of years ago, too. But if do you think that freshman version of you would see yourself in this position that you're in today? No way. Um, <laughs> I, I even remember the moment of you know, stepping, stepping into my first forum and I didn't know that the elections were, were a thing. Um, so I remember seeing Danielle Mitchell standing up on stage, giving her speeches, running for president. And I was like, she is absolutely insane. Why would anyone ever do that and put themselves through that kind of process? Um, and then here I am having been through the process three times now. Um, so be careful what you say. Um, so yeah, I definitely would not have expected to be here today. Um, but I have the AIS to thank for it entirely. Um, and I wouldn't change a thing. Uh, so if anyone's thinking about getting involved, um, just know there are, there are no limits to what you can do within the organization. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I think just another point on that, um, as a word to all of our members, our non-members alike, the AIS loves to quote unquote shoulder tap, um, you know, if you're a leader and you see a potential leader, or you're a member and you see a potential member, you're a non-member and you, you know, see someone else who needs help. Um, we're all about going to those who we see something in and, you know, asking them to step up or encouraging them to see something in themselves that they don't yet see. And I think as an organization, that's what we do. We uplift students. We are promoting excellence in all these areas um, through a really positive cycle of uplifting and encouragement and celebration and, and all of these things that takes a freshman student that has no idea what the AIS is and turns them into someone who is capable of leading the whole darn organization. So um, just a point to like be looking out for people you think could become really fantastic leaders they just don't know it yet and if you are someone who's growing into their leadership uh, search for mentors um, reach out to people who you aspire to be and talk to them and uh, just know that the AIS is built on those kind of conversations and we love to have them so always feel free to reach out um, you know our contact information is readily available uh, your quad directors, uh, your chapter president, your, you know, personal mentor in your school, any of that, you know, it, it takes a lot to be a mentor, but it takes a lot to be a mentee too. So just talking about reaching out and, and having that support system and either building it for yourself or creating it for other people, either way, uh, definitely encourage everyone to, to take, a, take a second, take a moment to kind of pause and see uh, what connections and what network they can create to support other people around them. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think anyone on the current national board and anyone who has served before, um, it's safe to say none of us would be in the positions we are in 
Um, we couldn't have done it by ourselves. Uh, it was, it's definitely been um, people that we've looked up to and that we consider mentors, and, but also friends and family um, telling us that we could. Uh, it, we used, it's cheesy, but we used it a lot. It truly takes a village. Um, and I, I fully believe that. And I'm, I'm so thankful for the village uh, behind me in the AIS. Awesome. Yeah. My first conference was 2019 grassroots, I think. So not that long ago. It feels like forever ago, though. Um, and just seeing so many wonderful people from the previous board of directors and it, uh, watching uh, and just all that. And it was just really amazing. Uh, really opened up the doors to uh, endless round of possibilities that I now see myself that I could potentially go into. Um, so for all those listening, if you're not a member of AIS yet, um, I really encourage you to ask some more questions, maybe take action, become a member. Um, I'm not quite sure it, it uh, relates to everyone differently, but uh, AIS is really a great organization that you can uh, get in with and you can be as involved or as, uh, uh, as involved as you want to or as uh, little as you want. Uh, but we did talk about something you hinted at, Aaron, um, something called Freedom by Design, which I suppress a lot of times because when I start talking about it, people start to get scared, I think, uh, freak them out with a little too much information. Um, no, we love so it. We love maybe... it. Go off. Go off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we could do a whole episode on that, which we plan on doing at a later date. So stay tuned for that. But um, Freedom by Design, for those who don't know, um, is a program that is all centered around uh, design. Uh, and a lot of people think that it's design build, but really at the heart of it, it's all about uh, kind of helping build communities, whether whether that's within your school, uh, your campus community, um, local organizations, stuff like that. Um, and sometimes that's engagement, um, and sometimes it's an actual project that's designed, uh, built, and implemented. Now, there's a lot of different ways to go. Uh, I served as Nebraska's Freedom by Design Director for a little bit of time and served on the Freedom by Design Advisory Committee last year. And so... Something that I really found my interest in with AIAS, uh, it's a great opportunity uh, and really kind of shows you that side of uh, architecture that a lot of people are truly passionate about uh, with the things that are right about design, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, I think that your story is so, so many different people's story of I found this one thing in the AIS that resonated with me and I, it took hold and that's what drew me in. And I think that because we have so many avenues to get involved and to um, take on leadership positions or different programs, different competitions, that, you know, you can really come up to anyone and say, hey, like, why are you in architecture school? Why are you studying the things that you're studying? And the answer to that, like, has something that relates to the AIS as well. Um, so, you know, if that's you, if you're like, I don't really know how I relate to this organization, like, are you passionate about design? You know, do you want to take part in these competitions? You want to elevate the playing field and like amp up what uh, is possible? Um, you know, do you want to serve on a committee that's talking about how to uh, look at different design software? And, you know, are you someone that's service-based and, and wants to dive into everything FBD, which I think everyone should be. I don't know who isn't. Uh, that should be the selling point for everyone. <laughs> um, you know, but, or do you really love governance and you really are interested in the way that this, you know, student-run body is functioning? Uh, do you love bylaws? You know, <laughs> are these things that, um, 
are why you're interested in this thing that we call architecture. Um, we have we, we have it all. Uh, we contain multitudes. Um, but I think your story is so important to, to talk about. And, and that's what uh, we love to see and absolutely have really appreciated all the work that you've put in, Quinn, for um, the, the work that you volunteered um, in, to put together a really strong you know, voice in the AIS for Freedom by Design. Um, so just another shout out for all your listeners. Quinn is the go-to uh, for all things FBD. And uh, I hope he's also encouraging you to, to take action in FBD and service and all the great things. Uh, I know he's been an inspiration for us. That was, I put you in third person there, but you know, just gotta break that, <laughs> that third wall, Quinn. You know, you're setting up more barriers for me. Um, but thanks, thank you so much for the kind words. Erin, um, did I miss anything there, Erin, on uh, Freedom by Design? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think you said it better than I did uh, earlier. Um, I, I really like how you phrased it. Um, while we think of it a lot of a, a build program, it's it's not just about design build um, like ramps or or different structures. It's it's about building community, um, and that's that's really where our focus is this year. Is all the different ways we can do that, whether it's virtually or in person. Um, so really excited to see where the program will go. Awesome. Well, we are running short on time, so I'm going to kind of throw to our outro or kind of conclusion that we ask every guest that we have on the show. Um, obviously, and I don't need to stop saying this, but clearly we're in a different situation than we were nine months ago, a year ago. Um, and so much is happening every single day. Uh, what's something that keeps you, that you're inspired by uh, with everything that's going on? And is there anything that you're optimist uh, or specifically optimistic about happening in the future? Ooh, okay. Something I'm inspired by in these crazy, unpredictable times is uh, is going to sound cheesy, but it really is um, all of the AIS members and the students that have just taken a huge stand for making sure their education and their experience is exactly what they need it to be and advocating for their peers. Uh, it, it has been so encouraging to know that we're all in this together and that we have concerns uh, that align and we're all actively working towards solutions and being really positive for what can be and not just um, mourning what has not occurred yet because of the times we're in and the, the things we expected. But it's been so encouraging to see how everyone is really taking on um, the potential for the year. So that's an inspiring thing. And I am so optimistic uh, that we all will come out of this so much stronger, so many lessons learned. Um, oh, and just another plug for like taking walks, getting outside, being inspired by fresh air again uh, <laughs> in our interior times. Yeah, I mean, I think my, my answer is similar, um, but, you know, I'm feeling inspired not only by our AIS members and students, but just, you know, our, our generation and young people in general, um, and just how much everyone is using their voice and um, standing up against injustice, I think is so inspiring. And um, I mean, myself, even several years ago, I'm not sure that I would have had the courage um, just because 
you know, I was, I was in a place where I was like, if I'm not knowledgeable, like I don't feel like I have a voice and that I can stand up for this, but that's, that's not true at all. Everyone has a voice and it's just so inspiring to see so many people using it, whether that's in person at a protest or just on social media. Um, so many people are teaching me so many things every single day. And so um, while it's, it's, harder on some days than others. Um, that's also what keeps me really optimistic is I, as scary as some of it seems right now. Um, and whether, you know, whether the change comes tomorrow or next year or in 10 years, I don't think we're going to let up. And I think um, I'm, I'm just optimistic that it's, it's coming and we're going to make it happen. Awesome. Well, heard it here first, guys. Um, take action, get involved, whether that's through any of the different committees uh, within the AIS. I also wanna give a huge, huge shout out to our two guests, uh, Aaron and Sarah. First of all, thank you so much for running for the positions that you're in. It's great for an organization uh, to have two strong uh, um, leaders in your role guiding us through these uh, interesting times. And as always, thanks for coming on the show and taking the time out of your day. So uh, really appreciate it. Uh, and with that, unless you guys have anything else, we'll uh, call it a day. Thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And best of luck uh, starting the school year, too. Thanks for listening to NStudio Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. For more, you can always check us out on Instagram at UNL underscore AIAS. Before you go, if you're looking for ways to take action, make sure to attend AIAS Nebraska's Membership Week kicking off on September 21st and the AIA Nebraska Conference on September 17th and 24th. And make sure to tune in to AIAS National's first Town Hall of the Year on September 26th. How will you take action?